A reading from the letter of Paul to the Colossians. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient, These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is all and in all. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. The Gospel of the Lord.
In the name of the one living God, amen. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. The questions people ask Jesus are the well from which we can draw much of his teachings and the source of lots of wonderful thought and consideration for us. This morning's gospel has two men fighting over an inheritance, and Jesus won't settle their dispute. Instead of solving their problem, he tells them a parable, a timeless little story with a great big meaning, a story that begs virtually an important question, but one that never gets asked. Jesus admonishes the frustrated brother and everybody else within earshot to be on guard Because he says one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Isn't it too bad that the brother or somebody else in the crowd didn't raise a hand and ask the question that is crying out to be asked? The great question, the follow-up question to what Jesus has just said. Uh, Excuse me. If life does not consist in the abundance of possessions, then in what does it consist? As a priest, I am mostly asked this question. People ask it in a hundred different ways, but it's the same question about depth and breadth and meaning in life. The concerns aren't really about going to heaven or hell about creationism or evolution. They ask about meaning in their lives. How to deal with the challenges and problems of everyday life. About their direction and purpose, particularly after a major setback in the family. Or about how to be creative and find hope when all hope seems lost. So this little parable encourages us to ask, what does make us truly wealthy in the eyes of God? It's as though Jesus holds up a mirror and says, take a look. What do you see? Whom do you see? We live in a culture that teaches us to believe that the way to ensure a happy ending to our story is by looking out for ourselves, obtaining as much as we can and storing it away. This parable is so familiar that we could easily ignore it as Jesus is politicking against money. But is he really? Or is he making it abundantly clear that the power of money 
and its capacity to usurp the primacy of God in one's life can pose a huge stumbling block to spiritual growth. So while this parable may be a little story, is it really a simple little story? Obviously, on one level, it's about greed, wanting more of what we already have enough of. The farmer wasn't a bad person, but he only had one object, an accumulation of property as an end in itself. But the truth revealed here isn't as simple as don't acquire or shun material things. Jesus isn't talking about renouncing all material possessions. Living today does demand that we use material resources with wisdom and prudence for our own survival and that of others in order to do any good in these situations. God knows we all have varying physical needs, food, shelter, a certain measure of security and preparations for the unexpected. There's nothing wrong with financial strategies and planning to protect our families for the future. But what Jesus is saying is this is not all we need. The farmer got in trouble because he never saw beyond himself and his own little world. He doesn't seem to care about God or his neighbor. And God says to him, you fool. Meaning someone whose practices deny God. He didn't know when enough is enough. Jesus called him and calls us to wealth toward God. True wealth, which brings a kind of detachment that doesn't disdain the good things of life, but doesn't selfishly covet or hoard them either. A wealth which offers a perspective in which generosity can replace greed. We have work to do in the world to handle good material possessions responsibly and generously. And generosity isn't just sharing one's goods, but behaving in a way that responds to Jesus Christ. On another level, the parable is about priorities. Jesus is trying to kindle our desire for God's standards of values, those set, that set giving above getting, serving above ruling, and forgiving above avenging. Notice that God does not say, this night I demand your life of you. But rather, this night, your life is being demanded of you. What if instead of God, the rich man's barns are demanding his life? It's this illusion of control and possession, this false treasure that takes us further from God and others and most impoverishes our spirit. Jesus says that God is the maker and owner of everything we have and all that we are. So we should live as though God and money are not separated from each other. He tells us 
how we can be rich without being foolish. God seeks to provide for the needs of all people by urging those who have material resources to share them with the whole body. In other words, God entrusts us with the pastoral care of those in this community, this nation, and this world who are in need. Much of our world faces great needs. Medicine tells us it's the terrifying rise of multi-drug-resistant bacteria which could render antibiotics useless and cause a pandemic. Foreign policy experts worry about the possibility of nuclear terrorism. Economists fear a meltdown of the euro and a new global financial panic. Scientists think that climate change is one of the world's biggest problems. And other experts in the fields maintain that the single biggest threat facing humanity today is poverty. In trying to discern the meaning of life and our place in it, can we ignore the tragedy of worldwide poverty? The good news of this parable is about the generosity of God. God owed us nothing, and yet out of sheer love for us and desire for our well-being, God sent Jesus Christ to dwell among us, to reconcile us to God. And our possessions are good in large part because they're things with which we can serve God and bless our neighbor. Jesus' warning to the people of his time was a mark of his love for them as well as for us. The whole of life is an opportunity to draw closer to God and grow in God's kind of lifestyle for us. If we miss that opportunity by allowing ourselves to be possessed by possessions, by committing ourselves to the things of this world, then plain and simply we will have missed the point of life. More good news is that Jesus shows us how to live the emancipated kind of life, which we're not tied to our stuff, but to our, to the, our love of God. He himself demonstrated a freedom from the kind of life which commits so much time to amassing and caring for and disposing of property. In spending himself for us on the cross, he surrendered the most important possession he had as a human being, his very self, and he did it freely. The ultimate picture of the life perfectly lived is this free, self-giving, loving life of Jesus. Needless to say, we live in another time, in another place today, and we're not about to surrender all that we have and walk in the marketplace in a toga or sleep on the ground, and nor does God ask that of us. We are, however, 
encouraged by Jesus to trust that the life that he gave for us on the cross seeks to live within each one of us to empower us and to claim the freedom he offers on the cross to live for God and for our brothers and sisters through the power of his loving spirit within us. You see, the aim of Jesus was to help people to be more, not to have more. The problem with the rich fool was that he had too, was not that he had too much grain or too many silos, but that he starved to death spiritually in the midst of God's abundance. He sought sustenance and security where none was to be found. This parable, this little story with a big meaning, I truly believe, addresses the deception that there is not enough to go around. And the solution given to us is to open our granaries and to feed others as we have been fed, to invite others to the banquet, to plant a tree every day and share its fruits for years to come. However, my friends, life is short, and we have precious little time to gladden the hearts of those who walk the journey with us. This very night, your life is being demanded of you. <clears throat> and one question does remain. Do we ever hear the voice that says, you fool? Do we want to? Amen.